I'm Jen. I'm Liz. And we're Harmless Harlots. What does that mean? To us, it means being open to having more than one relationship, however you define it, as long as everyone gives fully informed, enthusiastic consent. It's also an homage to our Polly Bible, The Ethical Slut, which we recommend if you want to learn more. We are enthusiasts, not experts in this field. So if you want to learn and explore along with us, we give you our knowing, enthusiastic consent to come along. Let's just dive into the book. Life is too stressful right now. Let's, All right, let's escape. Let's escape, <laughs> let's escape into come the book. All right. So I think our roughly where we left off was chapter three. It was indeed. I did not make mm-hmm. it here. Ter- I did get through all of chapter three. I'm on page 109 is how far I got. I'm on 152, but we can just go up to where you are because I'm sure I made plenty of notes. <laughs> yeah, um, as did I. As did I. <laughs> I have lots and lots and lots of highlights. My goodness, it was a, it was a heavy highlight section. It was. Okay. So this chapter is called The Nested Model of Attachment and Trauma. Trauma. Yeah. So I guess maybe generic trauma warnings. I don't even know. They don't talk about anything specific, but they are going to talk about like trauma in general. So if you don't want to listen about trauma in general... Skip this episode and listen to a more fun one. There are other episodes where we talk about incest that are much more interesting. That was one time. I think we've talked about incest a few times, actually. But Yeah. Okay, so to start off, I just kind of highlighted their definition of trauma, which was basically... They overwhelm trauma are the events and situations that overwhelm us, leaving us feeling out of control, helpless, and alone. And then I also marked bigger traumatic events can activate our natural stress response to such a degree that our nervous system is overwhelmed and dysregulated to the point that this chemical cocktail is unable to be processed and we are left unable to fully recover. So I thought that was interesting as just kind of a definition of trauma as like feeling out of control helpless and alone because well I don't know a I feel like that can happen a lot which is I feel like in one of the earlier episodes I was like mentioning trauma and I was like I don't want to like trivialize anybody's you know experience of trauma by like saying something that happened to me was traumatic because I didn't really know what it was but I mean it seems like a pretty broad definition. Yeah. Well, and I, my response to that when you said that the first time and now still my response is I really like broader definitions of trauma because I think this whole like comparative, competitive trauma of like my trauma is worse than your trauma is not productive. And it's also why a lot of women do not recognize and report like rape and stuff because they're like well mine isn't as bad as like other stories I've heard so it's not a big deal and like it is like even things that are you know seemingly small in comparison to other people's traumas are still trauma and deserve to be reported like I had a friend this weekend oh my god I had a friend this weekend I literally forgot this (laughs) happened until right now Um, I had a friend this weekend who was assaulted in a bar 
Like what? a guy literally fingered her in a bar Jesus. and she was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like it's nothing like what happened to you, Lizzie. And I was like, I don't fucking care. It's still a big deal. Like it's, <laughs> I don't care yeah. how it compares to what's happened to me. That's still fucked up. Like we should still do something about that. Ah, <laughs> comparative trauma is not helpful your trauma is valid no matter how it compares to my trauma yeah so okay all right well good good we're on <laughs> common ground then um i guess the other thing that i just was thinking about is how like the truth is that we have i don't know i think you have a different opinion on this but my opinion is that I don't know. Illusion is kind of a control. Like, yeah, we have control, but also like... You said that backwards. Control is an illusion. <laughs> illusion is a control. Well, I mean, that still works. Illusion is a way we control. <laughs> we control through illusion. Illusion is a control. I don't know. <laughs> illusion is a control. Remember that. <laughs> Anyways. I knew what you control meant. Control is an illusion. <laughs> because it's like, I don't know. You can die at any second. A lot of things can happen to you that you really can't control. But it's so weird because like the way, I don't know, I feel like humans way of dealing with that is just kind of being in denial about that. Like, I mean, doing as much as you can and preparing and stuff, but also just kind of like not thinking about all the ways that we are not in control of our lives. And that's just kind of how you live a healthy life by just kind of ignoring or maybe accepting is the better word, but just accepting that like, yeah, you know. You can't control a lot, but it's okay. <laughs> Existential nihilism. Nothing matters and we all die in the end. Yeah. But then also what the, the one um what the one quote talked about, like fully processing our emotions is like mm -hmm. trauma, I don't know, increase or compound by like not processing the feelings, which they talk about mm -hmm. kind of like running its cycle. So like mm -hmm. I guess I guess I don't I don't remember exactly what that reference is, but it made me think of like how you say you cry a lot, Liz, and how I like <laughs> I, I I also enjoy crying. And I feel like we don't do that enough just like in general. Like, I don't know what this made me what reading this made me think and maybe I just misinterpreted was that like we should like. I don't know, kind of like your friend like was like, oh, like it, it wasn't that big a trauma. It's like I feel like by acknowledging and like being like, yeah, that was shitty and maybe I need to cry about it and then I'll feel better. Like letting the emotions process instead of bottling them up. And maybe that doesn't mean crying for everyone, but I don't know. Yeah. I think we should cry more. <laughs> yeah, crying is good. Crying is good. I cry a lot. I, uh, the other, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago, one of my newer partners and I, uh, I don't even remember what I was upset about, but I was upset about something and he was like snuggling me and I just like started to cry and he was like, wow, I'm like, I'm so impressed. You like feel comfortable crying with me. And I was like, <laughs> I cry all the time, but it's cute that you think that's impressive. That's nice. <laughs> I am an emotional train wreck. I'm glad you're impressed by that. We'll get along great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well actually i don't remember if i talked about this but a couple of weeks ago on the bachelorette there was a big deal because um this one guy started crying because he was talking about like his wife who had died a few years ago 
And then oh. like one of the other guys started crying because he was crying. Aww. And so the, yeah, the whole internet was just like, yes, wholesome crying <laughs> and crying. And it really is. I know I talk about The Bachelor a lot, but really like the this season's Bachelor, I think, is doing a very good job of like ridding toxic people from the show and creating a healthy environment. Because like she's down this week to like seven people and all of the people there is like it's very drama free like it's just chill guys and so like oh. i don't know she's doing a good job fostering love, healthy environments we love men with emotional intelligence we oh, really, we really do. do we really really do i uh i have been vetting all of the people in my life because i realized <laughs> i was so fucking tired of people with no emotional intelligence no emotional intelligence (laughs) and i was just like i am only going to put energy into people who have emotional intelligence and who give energy back to me and so on the note of a couple weeks ago we talked about making lists i made lists of people who i'm like these are people who give me good energy and who have emotional intelligence and these are people who i'm tempted to give my time to but who really do not give me energy back and are not emotionally intelligent and i am not going to make an active effort to seek them out there you go and it's been so good because i'll have moments where i'm tempted like i'm gonna text this person i'm like no that is not a person who gives me energy and who is there emotionally intelligent. I'm not texting exactly. them. I'm going to go to my list and I'm going to be like, that person, that person is emotionally intelligent and will give me energy and I'm going to text them. And it's been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the only, I don't know, like it, it sounds bad to like rank people and it sounds like hierarchical polyamory, but it is not. It is seeing who are the top people in your life who are good for you and prioritizing those people. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you. Good for you. Well, and I think also... One of the side effects of COVID is you kind of took whoever was around, right? Like mm-hmm. whoever whoever was safe to be around was who you had, you know? It was like options were limited for people. Mm-hmm. And now that, you know, we're vaccinated, although knock on wood, the Delta variant, um, but now that we're say. vaccinated... <laughs> And like, you know, you have more options for people to be with. It's like, I kind of forgot like, oh, I can pick and choose which people I give my time to. Like it is no longer this teeny tiny small list of people who I am confined to. I can now give my time to way more people and I could like afford to choose who I give my energy to and who I do not invest any of my time in. Like what a concept. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I don't know. I am feeling getting the vibes that we are gonna kind of go into another lockdown and i am not excited about about that i don't want to talk about (laughs) it i'm really nervous because we're moving and i am really afraid we're gonna move and as soon as we move we're gonna go into a lockdown and we're gonna be all by ourselves and i really don't want that to happen i mean we can always move back home which i mean is it such a hassle though (laughs) such a hassle well for you and your cats not for me Yeah. Well, if you're with me, you're going to be helping with me and my cats. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, by proxy, it will be a hassle for you. (laughs) And then something on later on here, they talk about um, experiencing smaller but ongoing stressful events that have cumulative harmful effect Mm. when we are in a conic straight state of stress, whether big or small, physical, emotional, blah, blah, blah. We can get pushed over the edge into a state of sympathetic nervous system dominance 
by the repeated perception of a threat day after day. And I feel like that is kind of the state I live in as someone with anxiety. <laughs> That's just kind of like, yeah, I am always, I always describe myself, I'm a creature of prey. Like I am constantly <laughs> on the lookout for predators. Um, but that just reminded me of like something it, uh, they talked about in, um, in Sex at Dawn, which if you have not listened to the first episodes of this podcast, I highly recommend going back and listening to us talking about Sex at Dawn because it is a fantastic book. Um, but they talked about how like back in when we lived in like hunter-gatherer societies that were much more egalitarian and like polyamorous that like chronic stress wasn't really a thing because most societies like lived in environments where there was food and if there wasn't then they were nomadic so they just moved to where there was food and like it was egalitarian and like the existence of chronic stress is like a modern convention brought upon after the advent of agriculture and the downfall of humanity in my opinion so yes anyway <laughs> when we move to the mountains we can just not we can just <laughs> have our easy jobs and make money and then paint and hike and meditate and paddleboard and you know not be stressed that's uh i've been thinking about capitalism and goals oh, yeah. and like, we're so gonna I... I, I don't know how much of it you got into but we are going to talk about capitalism we're gonna talk about capitalism today but so one of the things i had to write an essay for my job when i applied to be fully remote and the essay was just like, basically, why do you want to be fully remote? And when I was writing this essay, the crux of the essay was just like, I'm young, wild and free. Let me have adventures, please. And I'm honestly surprised they said yes to that, but they did. <laughs> um, but in this essay, when I sat down to write this essay, I was like, why do I want to do this? And what I ended up writing was like, my entire life has been so fast. Like I have always been the overachiever, the valedictorian in both high school and college. And like, I got three promotions in two years at work. And I just, I have lived my life so productively and so quickly. And as shitty as COVID was, and it was shitty, it did give me a chance to be like, wow, I could just not <laughs> like, what if yeah. I calmed the fuck down? Mm -hmm. That would be fine. And like, yeah. Right now, I'm one exam away from my credential, and I could have taken that exam this October, and I already decided not to do that because we're moving and it's just way too much stress, but I'm kind of thinking about whether I want to do it at all, and it feels dumb to quit with one exam left, but I'm also just like, I don't know if this really serves me, if I really care about it that much, and like, it's so much time, and I just, if not for capitalism, wouldn't fucking care about any of this shit it's all for the money and like i'm at a point where i have enough money so like meh, you know yeah a book that was fairly influential on me that i read a couple of months ago is called the four hour work week and it's a fairly old book but it's by this guy tim ferris and basically the whole book is like it's point like the working nine to five is like dumb. Like you should so not dumb. do that. So you should dumb. try, you should just try to find some way. And he, the, the whole book is like a how to and how to do this. But his thing is like, you should find a way to work as like as little as possible, making a sustainable income and then just go and fuck off as much as you want. And that reminds yep. me of a quote that I think was in Sex at Dawn, but it was like, 
don't let anyone convince you that humans are he- were meant to do anything but dick around. And that's the thing with <laughs> capitalism. It's like capitalism is like this push, push, push to productivity when like the natural. OK, and I know the, it's controversial to throw around the word natural, but like for hundreds of years, humans just lived in these peaceful little communities and societies. And we just hunted and gathered. We were we fine and we dicked around. <laughs> and they talk about, I think, even oh, this could be wrong. I want to say some like. I think they just, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking it was specifically Native American societies, but I think they just said in general, like these types of societies, like spent maybe a couple hours a day working and the rest of the day was just sleeping, napping, having sex, socializing. And it's like, yes, that is what we are meant to do. We are not meant to be in this push, 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 push. Because it's like, what's the point? Nothing's the point. Everything is meaningless. But it's also just (laughs) funny in my having that mentality in my job search because I talked with a recruiter yesterday and he said something, he was like, Oh, I'm very values driven. And so I had to leave my workplace because the company was growing and they started to lose their values because you know, capitalism. And I was like, yeah, I know capitalism. And it's just like so many, so many people I talk to are just like over capitalism. Um, but it's just interesting to have this mindset. Cause like I, I go to companies and I'm like, Yes, I will work for you in exchange for survival resources, but also I'm not willing to like die for you. I am mm-hmm. very strictly going to work mm-hmm. eight hours maximum. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to be okay with that because yeah. I'm over capitalism <laughs> and I, I do this because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Uh, precisely yeah Yeah. anyway i also think on the note of the i'm gonna circle this back to the definition of trauma and stuff with that like you know small uh whether small ongoing stressful events that Mm -hmm. have a cumulative harmful effect that it's fucking capitalism like that is like just like constantly Mm -hmm. being told you're only valuable if you're productive and if you're not productive then you can just die like that's yeah. <laughs> like I think yeah. everybody honestly on a daily basis under the society we live in everybody's going through trauma like and the thing uh, yeah. the thing that gets me is like people who are in favor of the current system that we have and are so whiny about how like uh, straight white men who are just <laughs> like I have it hard too and it's like yeah bro that's the point you have it hard, like right like you should also want to change things like it's objectively yep. worse for these people over here yep. but like yes you also have it bad we should like I don't know maybe change things <laughs> you're so close yep. to the point you're so close to the point yep 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 the, we're I, I want to talk about, I don't know, this is kind of disjointed, but like the the next couple of pages are going to be about how capitalism is trauma. And I agree with that. And as somebody who is unemployed, like I feel that every single day of my life. But yes, capitalism is trauma. We will get to that. Um, the title and, of this episode uh, is just going to be capitalism is trauma. Capitalism is trauma. Fight um, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, before we get to capitalistic trauma, just the next thing chronologically in the book talked about healing and they talked about how it can happen on like, so it has a little diagram and it's like, you know, there's the self level relationship, home community and culture, societal and global. Um, And on the level about relationships, it says, um, regardless of which level of attachment wounds first take place in, our secure attachment styles can be healed 
through this relationship level. This can occur by having our needs met from attuned responsive partners or even having reparative experiences with the ones we have been hurt by. We highlighted uh, the same section. Oh, look at us. That. We're so in tune. We're so um, cute. <laughs> and this is funny because this is a discussion I had with my partner about like, how much someone can slash should change. And I am kind of an advocate for, yeah, people can and should change all the time. And she was like, nah, I don't know. Um, but I think it is interesting because I do think in this relationship that I'm currently in, I do think we have mutually, because it has been a good, healthy, honest, open, communicated relationship for the most part. We've had mistakes. We've recovered. Um, <laughs> that I do think that we have healed like a little bit. Like, I don't know, like when I was pre-relationship I was part of my motivation for like seeking a relationship was like I do think I will like grow and learn and like obviously you can have partners who are shitty and give you more trauma but I do think that with my current partner we have healed each other a little bit and so relationships you know when done right yeah. can, can repair trauma which yeah, is no, they really do I yeah Josh right now is like He's so emotionally intelligent and it's lovely. And I think he healed me in ways I didn't even know that I was broken. <laughs> like literally, oh my God. <laughs> like he'll just say things like, you don't deserve to be treated like that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't You're deserve right. to be treated like that. <laughs> Holy shit. Also, again, on the note of like platonic people, platonic relationships also can be super healing and productive. <sighs> The guy I went to the Badlands with, Joe, there was this point where I I love taking photos and having photos and looking at photos. It's a great time, but getting photos can be a process. And so there was one time when he had taken a few pictures of me and I didn't really like him because my hair was a weird thing. And so I was like, uh, I know I'm being extra, but like, can you take some more with my hair fixed? And he was like, no, you're not being extra. You just want a good photo and that's a valid thing for you to want. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. I'm gonna just cry on this rock right now from feeling validated. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I already mentioned this, but um, back when I was talking with um, oh, did I even tell you this that Roger called me again? No. What? Oh, okay. I'm. A, I told my partner. I forgot to tell you. No, I was like sitting. So we're in a studio apartment, and sometimes when my meetings get scheduled. Like we have meetings at the same time. Since we don't have any doors else in the apartment, I go into the bathroom. And so I was sitting in the bathroom preparing for a meeting and I get this call on my phone from an unknown number and I pick it up and I'm like, hello. And the person's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, oh my God. who is this? And he was like, yeah, it's Roger. I just thought I'd give you a call to check in. And I was like, okay, hi, bud. <laughs> So luckily I had a real excuse where I was like, I'm hopping in a meeting in five minutes, so I got to go. But he was like, yeah, just want to check in and say hi. And I was like, yeah, hi. <laughs> and so then we hung up and he hasn't made any other contact. But the, the dude, it's been months. I talked to this guy for three weeks and broke it off with him. And it's and I, I left it. I was like, yeah, like you're fine, dude. Like I'm not going to block you, but like I don't, you know, really want to continue this. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Anyway, um, but I, I think I already mentioned this, but while we were talking in that three week period, he at one point, like he like initiated, he was like, oh, like I saw, I saw that you listed yourself as non-binary. Like, what are your pronouns? And I was like, whoo, asking my pronouns, like that's the hottest thing that has happened in a while. <laughs> oh my God. I know you're not on TikTok anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know you're not on TikTok anymore, but there's a trend on TikTok right now of is he hot or does he something else? And it's always just like basic things. It's like, <laughs> is he hot or does he just listen to you occasionally? <laughs> is he hot or does he put active effort into making you come? Like just things like uh, the bar is so low. The bar is so low. <laughs> is he hot or does he have a bed frame? <laughs> hey, as somebody who did not have a bed frame for a few months you know it happens i honestly don't think bed frames are necessary i think it's such a dumb trope like you don't need a bed frame imo but whatever you really don't um but it's just stuff like that it's like you know is he hot or does he have a basic level of emotional intelligence (laughs) and honestly it's too real like literally uh it's so sad that's where my bar is at because like josh is like a great guy but there are so many things that blow me away that i'm like if it was a woman it wouldn't blow me away but since it's a man i'm just like whoa like he initiates conversations about like our expectations and boundaries and i'm like wow look at this man doing emotional labor <laughs> and like initiating conversations and like knowing what he wants Whomst? <laughs> what, what, what is this i'm just gonna take my panties off right now <laughs> did you want the sex right here or should we move to the bedroom what, whatever you're feeling my man <laughs> it's wild yeah. it's a wild time yeah yeah i think that um Yeah, that kind of moves into my next quote, which is something we've talked about in Beat to Death. But just it says, we tend to see romantic and parental relationships as superior in influence to others, Um, Mm. like referring to like friends and other things. And I think that's and that made me think of the phrase uh, more than friends. And it's Mm. like you don't say more than lovers when you're a friend. Like why is, and I guess like there is kind of the aspect of like, Oh, like you can assume that like, if you are a lover, then you are a friend and then you also have sex, but that's not always true. So I challenge all of you to eliminate the phrase more than friends from your vocabulary (laughs) because it is not a hierarchical thing. (laughs) No, I also, I highlighted on page 81, our relationships with siblings or close friends can function as some of the most important Mm -hmm. attachment bonds that we have. And like, yes my relationships with like you and jackie and melanie and like all my close gal pals way more productive and better than most of my male and female lovers like literally just better relationships (laughs) oh yeah yeah i think yeah the next quote is just friends that function as a primary attachment can also leave a painful mark on one's heart and a significant Mm. attachment disturbance Mm. and there's betrayal dishonesty ghosting or drama that ends in the loss of the friendship and i feel like you've experienced a lot of that recently with various people i still (laughs) to this day i've had like long-term relationships with people now like rick and i were like 10 months like i have had solid long-term like you know stuff and, you know, I've had lovers of the blasted years and years and years that things have ended. But, like, River to this day, we never even kissed. But that man ripped my heart out. Like, he was my best friend. He was my person. He was my life partner for five fucking years. Like, we never kissed. We never had sex. None of any of that. Like, it was never romantic. But, like, he was my person. Yeah. And he ripped my heart out and it was more traumatic and painful than any breakup I have ever experienced. Yeah, I actually just today I had a phone call with my friend Danny, who I haven't mentioned with for a while because he's kind of been off the radar because mm-hmm. he um 
he he had a job and it was just really intense and he finally finished it um the other day and so he called me and I was like hey I exist again I was like yeah <laughs> nice nice to meet you stranger because like it really has been like over a month that I really haven't talked to him um and like yeah that was like sad like when mm-hmm. like when I couldn't talk to him like because like he like I, I try to go on a walk every day and like he's usually the person I call and if not then I'll call mom or maybe you and so it's like there's three people who I'll call and like <laughs> he just he just wasn't available for like a month and like that yeah I felt that like I felt his absence and like we've never been romantic but we've been friends for over like four and a half years now so it's like yeah he's a very important person to me and like if we quote unquote broke up or you know became less close like yeah that would be painful yeah it was it was painful can't speak from experience it sucks (laughs) i was a train wreck for a very long time yeah yeah the next part they talk about the home level of trauma um and something i marked was it says this level also includes the physical environment such as whether or not you liked your childhood physical home and bedroom if you had one and felt safe there if the home was too messy too clean too quiet too noisy or otherwise not well matched with you mm-hmm. it could potentially create stress and tension in the nervous system prodding us into survival stress responses um i liked so- how they pointed out too clean because that is such a thing for me i am uncomfortable <laughs> in spaces that are too clean like if it's too clean i'm like i can't touch anything i will fuck it up i don't like being here i don't like too clean and i feel like that is an underappreciated perspective continue yeah <laughs> yeah no i just i marked that because two things like uh, I don't know, a lot of things Um, the uh, of like a the kind of conversation of like a like children having autonomy and like Mm -hmm. paternalism, because it's like I tried to talk to mom one time about this and she was like about kind of paternalism. And she was like, I mean, yes, but it's hard when you're a parent because it's like you are responsible for this person's outcome. And like when they are a child or just, you know, under 18 or even above, it's like you know, what level of functioning capacity are they at? Um, But I think I'm very much a component. And like, I've never been a parent. Maybe I never will be. I don't know. But it's like, I do think there are ways, and I haven't done research on this um, at all, but I feel like there are ways to like respect your child's autonomy more. Mm -hmm. um, Because I feel like that is healthy um, to, you know, give children bodily autonomy and, Mm -hmm. you know, treat them with respect yeah i think i've told this story before but one of the most basic pieces of that when it comes to parenting is not making your young female children hug or mm-hmm. touch your male or, relatives or, 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 or male, or male. young you're children right, right. just young children in, general. Yeah. hug any any relative like don't be like you have to hug your uncle bob and this is a thing that like I went to a very liberal, liberal arts college, and this is a thing that, you know, we talked about in women's studies classes and all that stuff. So it wasn't new information to me. But I remember I went to a women's conference with my work one time, and there was a speaker who, like, said this, like, you know, one of the most basic things you can do, and she was talking about in the context of raising young women, um, but she was like, don't force your daughters to hug, you know, their older male relatives. And all these women, it blew their minds. Like, that had never occurred to them as like a shitty thing to do and I was like oh god 
like yikes they're like wow yeah i shouldn't teach my daughter that she has to touch this man even if she doesn't want to or he makes her uncomfortable maybe (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, okay, so then moving on to the social level, which I think is where we'll get back into the capitalism. Oh, wait, can I, are we, did we pass um, the local I, level? Because I had a highlight in there. Um, um, yeah, I don't think I had any Oh, I had a bunch highlights, of highlights in the, so. in the local level. Um, okay. Actually, no, I only okay. had one. Uh, but my one in the local level, <laughs> it's, it doesn't even have to do with the local level. But it was a quote that said, if we have to conceal or contort who we are, our foundational relationship with ourself can get severed and interfere with how we then experience the levels of relationship and home. And it's on page 85 if you're looking for it. But this has a lot to do with what we talked about um, last time we chatted with like, you know, when I was staying at our aunt and uncle's house and I had to be back in the closet and I was like, this is absolutely awful. Like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. having to conceal who you are is shitty and actually there's a ted talk um we're putting together a watch party at work for uh i think it's called the dangers of hiding who you are on the youtube it's only 10 Mm -hmm. minutes long so if you want to pause the podcast now and go watch it i recommend it but yeah it's a ted talk called the dangers of hiding who you are and it's about this woman who like she reminds me of myself a lot where she's like i was just like bubbly outgoing extroverted just like social butterfly and then like i realized i was gay And I was like, well, fuck, now I like want to hide because I don't want attention for this thing. Like, I don't want to be the gay coworker or the gay friend. Like, I just want to be me. I don't want gay Mm -hmm. to be my identifier, which I think Mm -hmm. I also relate to that in terms of like using the label girlfriend, boyfriend. Like, I never wanted to be this is my girlfriend, Lizzie. This is my girlfriend. Like, I wanted to be Lizzie. Like, Mm -hmm. I am not your girlfriend, Lizzie. I am Lizzie. Like, I am who I am. And my primary identity is not my relation to any of my partners. Well, I think that also goes back to what we talked about that one day of like, you don't need to know a lot of information about people, like how we have this instinct to be like, oh, like, what is your relationship with that person? And like, you know, what do they mean to you? And like, how do you identify? Like, you really don't need to know that it's really none of your business. And we have this urge to like, you know, like if you introduce someone, it's like, oh, like you introduce like, this is my girlfriend, Lizzie, because that gives the other person like a lot of information. But like, the term girlfriend can really mean anything. And like, yeah, as you said, like that doesn't have to be like your primary identity. Like you can introduce someone and then like, if your relationship to them becomes pertinent to a certain person, then you can reveal that information to them. But it's like, you don't need to know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you don't have to reveal that information if you don't want to. Okay. Now we can move on to social now that we've talked about my TED talk. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess one more comment about that, and I think I probably already said this, but in my um, in my relationship class I took in the spring, we did this one, we read this one paper, and it talked about how like stigma is like really bad for people, and like even if it is like you know they're just hiding something because it is stigmatized, and they're not even being like overtly stigmatized, like that does very bad things for your psyche. So like you know that's I mean yeah that's like you know, people who try to hide things like that is bad for you. Like it's just bad and it sucks that that's the society we live in. Moving on to the social level. Um, I based on the first page, I just underlined structural violence. I, I was like, yeah, legally legitimate <laughs> because I was like, that's a thing. Yeah. Like I, uh, ah, I like legal legislation sucks for queer people, obviously, but like, it's 
other mm -hmm. aside from just the fact that it's annoying because we don't have like legal rights and stuff it's also just like not being legally legitimate is just like such a slap in the face of like you're not valid and like that's something all people yep. especially queer people fight with is like am i valid and like having the law literally be yep. like no is such ah no you're not <laughs> valid okay thanks <laughs> Um, studies have shown that children with socioeconomic risks are more likely to develop oh, disorganized hey, we're gonna attachment. We're going to get to capitalism. Are you on page 90? Yeah. <laughs> I highlighted yeah. the fuck out of this. I also Snapchatted it to, I think, you <laughs> and several other people. <laughs> <laughs> Is it honestly possible to feel safe and secure in a capitalist society that defines I our also have this highlighted on what we do and how much we make rather than who we are? Is it? Is yep. it? No. Yep. <laughs> Capitalism, capitalism is trauma. Is capitalism trauma. is trauma. <laughs> it's difficult to show up and thrive in relationships when we can't feed ourselves, pay the bills, or afford basic fucking health care. Let me go on. Let me go on. I've probably already talked about this, but let me go on my health insurance rant right now. First off, why the fuck is dental never included? Dental is part of your health. Dental is health. Include dental. Anyway, <laughs> I... I am unemployed, so I and I'm only in this state, which is so dumb that insurance is based on state. I'm only in this state for a month, so I've been applying for health insurance for like a month because it's such a fucking process, and I won't have time to actually do any of the things that like I would like to do because like getting an appointment would be a hassle. I'm not even really registered yet. And like I'm gonna go back home and I'm only gonna be in that state for like a month or so. And so it's like it'll be three months until I have like set health insurance. And so like, I just can't take of any of my care of any of my personal health because I don't have fucking health insurance because it's not a basic human fucking right in this country. But Jennifer, if we ah! had universal <laughs> health care, then people would be lazy and not work. It's so dumb. It's like, what other incentive do I need to take care of my health? It's my basic yeah. fucking health. Well, it's, also, it's my basic also not getting people health care and making health care part of jobs literally is telling people if you can't work, you should die. Like, if you can't work, yeah. you don't deserve health care. You don't deserve to be healthy. Like, that is so yep. fucking toxic and so literally this world the society we have built is an abusive partner like the society we have built tells <laughs> us that if we are not producing we don't deserve to live and if that is not emotional manipulation i don't know what is like the world is yep. an abusive partner yeah um the next quote i have is my generation was taught that girls can do anything that boys can do <laughs> <laughs> but most of my peers still feel the need to shave, pluck, color, tint, laser, push-up, or add extensions to parts of their bodies just to achieve baseline attractive attractiveness and feel good enough to walk out the door every day. I literally, I'm going to you a picture because I highlighted that exact same quote and I put an exclamation point next to it. I'm not even joking. I have that exact same quote that I was just like, this. Yeah. So it's, I don't even know because it's like, if beauty practices like cultures have different beauty practices right and like if it were the same for ev for both like regardless of gender it's like maybe there would be some you know problematicness stuff there but the fact that it is gendered is just inherently problematic and like that's not to say that like like if you want to do makeup like that's great like nail art i watch nail art videos all the time like do i love to dye my hair yes but it's like I just don't know how to tell people like, yes, this is fine, 
but you should realize that you probably do it at least a part, if not entirely, because society made you do it. And it's like, that's that's something I, I want to get across about so many things to people. It's like, yeah, sure, that's great. But do you realize that you're being manipulated by society? Do you realize uh, you're asleep? In the absence of society, you would not do this. I, like, maybe some people would. Like, that's the counter argument is always yes, like, in the, the absence of society, maybe some women would prefer not to have hair on their legs. Maybe a lot of people would prefer to only have one partner. That is possible. It is valid. It's fine. But a lot of people wouldn't. If it wasn't so enforced yes. for women to shave their legs, a lot of people would wouldn't because it's a hassle and you get ingrown hairs and honestly when i stopped shaving my legs it was gonna be just for the summer when i was a camp counselor because i was like this is way too fuck like i remember the first time i tried to shave in the camp shower stalls and i was like this is (laughs) stupid why am i doing this and like it was just gonna be for that summer and i was like i'll shave as soon as i have a reason to shave it's been like eight years now and i haven't had a reason never had a reason i am when i was in when i was in high school i had i ran track and i got shin splints um because i am trapped in the fleshy prison (laughs) that was not meant for this world um (laughs) but i got shin splints and so there's like this I forget what it's like kinetic tape or something, some bullshit that probably doesn't actually work. Uh, but it's like this tape that you put on your skin that's supposed to like help the shin splints. And so I had to like shave my shins in order to do that. And like my coach joked with me, he's like, are you going to be okay shaving? And I was like, if there's a reason to do it, I'll fucking do it. But there's never a reason <laughs> beside this very specific instance. And I didn't shave my whole legs and I didn't shave my armpits. I shaved like the, the 12 square inches that they needed to put the tape on. And it's like, there's no other reason you should ever shave your legs. Unless you like it or you're a swimmer or an athlete. But like, you're probably doing it because of society. It's like, you can do whatever is fine. Whatever is authentically you, do it. But I just want you to like analyze and like find what is actually authentically you and not be pressured yeah, by society. I don't think a lot of people take Sorry. the time to think about who they really are. They're just like, it's my uh, people are so lazy. They're so, and like, I'm lazy, but other people are so fucking lazy. lazy like literally they don't, I, I really do think a lot of people are just like, I will take the script life has handed me and I will read it verbatim and never question it. And they just do that. And like, fine but that's boring as hell and i don't want those people in my life you know like if you want to just read the script the director gave you have at it you do that queen absolutely but like i will be over here being like what is my motivation for this character can i change this line i don't feel like i would have said this i feel like with the backstory i'm creating for my character this just wouldn't have happened like i am here to be that difficult actor that all directors hate and i'm only (laughs) friends with the other actors that directors hate I'm not here for the people yeah. who are just like, I will read the script and go to bed. And like, fine, you do that, but you're boring and I don't want to be friends with you. Next quote that I highlighted, in addition to inflated beauty standards, women are now also expected to be mm. career driven, achievement oriented, financially independent and a competent badass in the boardroom, bedroom kitchen and nursery on the flip side the plights of men are often dismissed or unseen since men are regarded as the ones wielding all the privilege and power. 
blah, 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 blah. What happens when the same social societal structures that grant man superiority already also deny them the full range of human emotions? Everyone suffers under the patriarchy. Everybody suffers. Everybody Everybody suffers. suffers. Everybody suffers. (laughs) Um, But what I want to talk about for the first part is this last weekend on Danny's Disney Plus account, um, I watched Raya and the Last Dragon. Dragon. Like two weeks ago, but yeah, Um, I watched it. It was cute. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I did not love it. I did not think it was a great movie. And here's why. Um, so there's this kind of trope of like when men try to write female characters that are not just complacent sex uh-huh. objects, like they'll tend to make them these like super uh-huh. women who like don't really have any character flaws and are like strong and powerful but then it's like okay well this isn't an interesting character because like you just made somebody who's perfect and then there's also the thing of like a this is an interesting character and b then it's like okay like now women you have to be this like perfect woman who like isn't a sex object and is totally empowered and does everything and has no weaknesses and it's like that's not women that's just men writing a female character as they would write a male character, but just calling it female. So there's that. Um, was that your complaint about but Raya? So then this was a well, kind of because like I don't know. Raya um, had many the, characters. The plot flaws. of the movie was stupid. Well, okay, I went into it with low expectations because I had heard it was bad, and when I watched it, I was like, <laughs> I wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like it was cute. Raya had a lot of character <laughs> flaws. She made many wrong decisions. Like I don't think she was perfect by any standard. Well. Well, no. Okay, what was stupid? Okay, sorry if this is spoilers, but it's a bad movie, so don't watch it anyway. But but so the whole thing was like, oh, she was too trusting of someone, and that's what caused the conflict. And then the rest of the movie was like, oh, you should learn to trust again. And it's like, well, sure, but like we shouldn't trust everyone because there were several points in the movie when they did trust someone and someone fucking died and it's like i feel like you're getting a very mixed message here and also like they're like oh you should trust the person who previously betrayed you and it's like oh so we're teaching children that even if someone betrays them we should just (laughs) trust them because trust is inherently good in all situations i didn't love the movie but that so the 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 strong female character thing wasn't necessarily the um complaint in this movie but this was a separate point that i wanted to come to so i'm glad it tied in but like i think i also recently watched luca which is also just it's not okay i heard i thought it was supposed (laughs) to be good because he's like gay or something they try to i i don't know how much disney claims it you could maybe make it an analogy for gay he's not like explicitly gay they don't say that in the movie you could maybe make something i was kind of hoping raya was gonna be gay because like raya and the little girl she spends with in the beginning has like the token lesbian haircut side shave so i was like oh yeah it's gonna be a lesbian movie and then like it wasn't it wasn't not like kind of the same thing yeah. where it's like yeah you Disney could say they were gay the but like they weren't i don't know they could have easily yeah. made them gay um, and they didn't do that and i was like this could have been yeah so so here's my theory so uh, let me let me work this out and this is a rough theory but so like with frozen i feel like was the era where they were like okay we should s- we're getting criticism for like 
you know, tropes and princesses being damsels. So here we'll make Frozen and it's two girls. And the, you know, the, the moral of the story is like friendship. Ooh, see how progressive we are. And then at the same point, they also like, we reached this level of sophistication and animation where it was like, oh, look at how pretty we can make these movies. And so I think in the combination of those two things, Disney proceeded to make a lot of movies that were like, they threw in a token thing that was like kind of progressive, and then they made really good animation. But I don't think the movies were as good. And I think the reason for that is because they were like, they were like, oh, we should be making like progressive movies. But my guess is that the staff at Disney is still pretty white yeah. male. And so they didn't really know, they didn't have access to these like rich and good stories from like people of color, queer people, like people who actually have good stories to tell. It was just white men being like, oh, I guess we have to tell stories of people of color, but let's like not actually consult them or hire more of them. Let's just you know, change the color of the character and the gender, and then we'll get away with it because we can say we're being progressive. This is all not based on a lot of research. This is just my theories. But so I think that's kind of my thought as to why recent, because like Luca is a bad movie, like for the standard, like it's like, you know, that company that makes ripoff movies of Disney. It felt like that was the movie <laughs> I was watching. Am I and watching Luca like, or am I watching the ripoff of Luca, Lucca? <laughs> so anyway that is my rant on disney movies and why their decline has come yes how did we get here i don't remember what sparked this uh talking about beauty standards Uh, for women and the patriarchy is bad patriarchy is bad for everyone fully agreed um so anyway moving on to the global or collective level Mm, um mm, mm. i highlighted yeah there's there's a lot lot here here. (laughs) there's a lot here Um, you can start if you want so i have obviously been getting been getting more into earthy things with like hiking and traveling in nature and i've been a vegetarian Mm -hmm. for a long time and contemplated veganism and lots of things one of the things i really liked um i don't know where to start reading this quote what i highlighted is earth is a resource to take or what, what did they say I think she's critiquing people in this quote, but she says, for some people, the earth was more of a means to an end than a resource to take from, wait, a resource to take from instead of a living entity to be in a relationship with. And like, yeah, the earth is alive and we are like in a relationship with it, which like you don't think about very often, but like we're all in a relationship. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And in all this, it's just like, it's like, we can talk about, oh, love the earth and the environment, but it's like, if you fuck over the earth, we live here. Yeah. We're, you're only fucking over oh, yeah. human beings. And it's like, the earth yes. will be fine. Like, the earth is a rock. Well, it'll like, be fine. It's gone through it's shit. Chernobyl. It survived. Like, Chernobyl, we fucked up. And you know who that fucked? Us. Not the earth. Chernobyl is gorgeous now. People have filmed, like, sent cameras into Chernobyl. It's beautiful. Earth will recover and be fine. You know who won't be fine? Humans. Humans are only fucking ourselves over when we pollute the earth because the earth will recover. We will not yeah Yeah. and that's the thing and it's also this is related to capitalism as trauma but it's like i saw a meme where it was like a big fire and 
like I think I, I forget how it's called, but it was like it was like a big there was an oil spill recently. And like it was a picture of that and like the big fire they labeled like unfettered capitalism. And like there are these two small boats that were like sending tiny sprinkles of water towards it. And like one was labeled recycling and one was like turning off lights. And it's like as much as like, you know, I support and empower people who want to like do personal actions to support the environment. It's like we really can't do anything like until the big corporations switch to natural energy until this is again with the thing with it's like people are lazy and like you have to institute like systemic change like until we institute systemic change like we're just going to keep like rocketing towards destruction of the planet and like sure you can be vegan and you can recycle and yes like i don't know movements are made of small people and like how big is your effect butterfly effect i don't know but it's like until we knock yep. out the 1% and convince them to like and like get yep. rid of capitalism and start yeah. actually caring about humans so there's, like we're just there's fucked. a facebook page for my college alumni there's there's a lot of facebook pages for my college alumni that are specific to like food and parenting and stuff there's one for traveling that i'm part of and so on this traveling page somebody posted something a couple of weeks ago where they were like i'm trying to figure out how to balance like i really want to travel and go places but i'm really like afraid of the environmental impact like what do i do and somebody commented like look it's really sweet that you want to contribute where you can but like you taking a plane to japan is not what's killing the earth it's corporations that are Mm -hmm. polluting like literally this is the trope of like it is not your fault but like capitalism has shifted the blame to the individual when that is not where the fault lies firmly well there is um yeah, there was an episode of Queer Eye and like they did this like 17 year old girl who was like big into environmental stuff. And they like the gig was like they like biked up to her for like the introduction. They're like, yeah, look, we're green. We biked here. And she's like, yeah, that's cute. But like, it's really 100 companies that yeah. are killing the earth. And like what you do really doesn't matter. And it was like, damn, <laughs> damn. Please <laughs> go off. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> So yeah, so I so I have highlighted here climate mm-hmm. trauma, pre-traumatic mm-hmm. stress, how climate change affects mm-hmm. your mental health. Um, for one of my clients, the author talking, the bulk of our therapy was revolved around her environmental anxiety and its impact on her every area of life. Because it's like, yeah, our planet is fucking dying, and you have no control over that. That's yep. trauma. the world is trauma oh also 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 quote bottom of page 96 um i highlighted so this was part of thomas hubel who co-founded the pocket project whatever the fuck that is um posits that we currently exist in a traumatized collective and the main symptom of being in a traumatized Mm -hmm. world is that we feel separate from each other and yes like we all feel so isolated and alone because we're all going through trauma and there's nobody in healthy places who can help heal us because we're all fucking broken and traumatized Ah! yeah yeah and you know what and you know what like always yes and because of capitalism but like also because capitalism like the fucking pandemic and like do we ever like sometimes you like i know it's been over a year and like do you remember when this started and it's like a year that's insane and it's like oh maybe this is just gonna go on forever but it's like we are in a fucking pandemic like this is not normal like we talk about the new normal but it's like like it's like this shouldn't be happening like this is not normal like being in a fucking global pandemic and being socially isolated for years that's not fucking normal that's not how people really should spend their not. lives it really is not i'm sorry nope it's i don't 
Uh, life is trauma. Life is trauma. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Traumas that continue to occur at the level of culture, society, and the collective cannot entirely be healed by the individual, but that does not mean that they are beyond cleansing and the and repair at the self and relationship levels where we do have more power to take responsibility for our own healing. So like, yeah, you can be environmental, you can be try to buy ethical stuff, but it's like... I don't know. It's like I don't want to disempower people because like change Thanks comes from yeah, people. That's but the thing. Like, like this episode. I, subscribe I and leave us a review on the like podcast. Me being app. a vegetarian if you alone really like has us, a very like, minimal like, impact like on us. things. But for me, it is healing and it gives me some semblance of control. Yes, and you are right. The control is an illusion. I probably don't get But it makes start a conversation. But feel free to send us any comments or questions over social media. Thanks for listening. If its purpose is only to make me feel better, it is at least serving that purpose. And I feel slightly better doing it.